Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Clint Wells. We are on part three of my Beatles series. We're going to be burning down my top 10 honorable mentions. What can I say? I'm a human being. I like lists. Lists are a way for us to pretend that there is order in the seemingly unending chaos of meaninglessness out in the world. And let's face it, we're talking Beatles. Almost every one of their songs is one of the greatest songs ever written, in my opinion, of course. So I burnt down my top 20 Beatles songs. These are the next 10, and we'll be going from 10 to 1. But first, before we jump in, I wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate out there. It's a special time of year, I know, for a lot of you religious folks, and uh, I want to be respectful of that and honor that. I also want to give a shout out to my solstice homies out there, the atheist community, those of us who don't believe in any of that stuff. There's room for everybody. I think one of the coolest things that we could all agree about about the holidays is that it's a time to take stock of what's important, to slow down, spend time with people that you love and that love you. And, uh, you know, we're trying to instill this in our daughter, this idea of giving, that the joy of Christmas really is more in the giving than it is receiving gifts. And uh, being able to have this space the last five years to talk about music, about Metallica, about all the things that I love, having a community of friends is uh, something that I'm really grateful for. Let's kick it off with John Lennon's wonderful solo tune, Happy Christmas War is Over, and then we'll burn down this top 10 honorable mentions list. Be right back. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? Another year over, and a new one just begun. And so this is Christmas. The road is so long 
Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Some nice thoughts from the late, great John Lennon. Sure do miss that guy on the planet. All right, let's get into this top 10 Beatles song. So I went through my top 20. I'm also going to be reading some emails from people who wrote in about Beatles stuff. So if you've been writing in the last week or two about Beatles and we haven't gotten to it on the show, uh, today's your day, homie. It's coming down the pipe. So I made a list of like, well, what are some of my other favorite Beatles songs? Because there's so many great Beatles songs that were not on my top 20 list. And, but I mean, shit, I could have done a a top 50 list probably. So I did whittle it down to 10 that I do think would be on my Desert Island uh, disc. But of course, there are some slots. uh, There are some songs I had to pass in these slots. We'll be talking about those a little bit too, but let's get into some music. My number 10 honorable mention is a song that was not on an album. This is, like I mentioned on one of the previous episodes, several Beatles singles, their A-sides, were written just to generate excitement about the next album or just to make money, just to have product to put out. Not unlike kind of what's happening now, actually. The album has been mildly decimated, and now it's really just about putting out singles every couple of months. Well, the Beatles used to do that and make great albums. This is a song called We Can Work It Out. It's mostly a Paul song, but it's got this great blend of Paul's optimism in the face of confrontation or the face of conflict. And then you've got John coming in there saying, life's very short, and I don't have time for the fussing and fighting. It's a pretty cool juxtaposition of those two knuckleheads. And it's just a lovely song. It's one of my favorites. And uh, we'll listen to it together now on Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. Here's the Beatles 
with We Can Work It Out. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it your way. Run the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone. We can work it out. We can work it out. Think of what you're saying. You can get it wrong and still you think that it's all right. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight. I'll say goodnight. We can work it out. We can work it out. Life is very short. We can work it out. Lovely song. It was a number one. Check this out. It was a double A side with the song Day Tripper, which Day Tripper is going to come up a little later, one of John's songs. And uh, they allegedly recorded this whole song in 12 hours. Back then, it took them 12 hours to put this whole thing together. And like I said, it's that great John Paul split that, you know, in the early days, the idea is that they were best buddies, budgeting songwriters, really prolific. They tell these really charming stories of sitting right across from each other, just nose to nose, writing those great early Beatles songs. And then as they matured, as they got more successful and more famous, eh, they they developed lives of their own. They became wealthy. They had relationships. They wrote separately more often than not, or they'd try to bang them out in the studio together. Uh, maybe Paul had 70% of We Can Work It Out. He showed it to John. John had a little 20 to 30% of that. Life is very short. There's no time. And they put them together, and voila, you get an instant classic. It's pretty cool. That type of split, I think, most famously occurs on the wonderful Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band, Closer, A Day in the Life, which is mostly a John song. But that middle part, when Paul comes in, it just juxtaposes so well with John's kind of eerie melancholy tune. Woke up. Fell out of bed, dragged a comb across my head Found my way downstairs and drank a cup And looking up, I noticed I was late Found my coat and grabbed my hat Made the bus in seconds flat 
Found my way upstairs and had a smoke And somebody spoke and I went into a dream I just love hearing those two, uh, their sensibilities, their worlds colliding, if you will. It's a, it's a treat. What can I say? It's a treat to hear. All right, moving on. My number nine honorable mention, top 30, top 10 honorable mentions. I don't quite know how to say this list, but number nine, I'm going with John's It's Only Love, which is interesting because he hated this song. <laughs> Um, there's two really great interviews with John that you got to check out if you're interested. One is from 1970. It's with Jan from Rolling Stone magazine. Very revealing. He's very raw off of the old uh, the Beatles machine, the Beatles breaking up or him quitting the Beatles, all, everything they accomplished together, their ups and downs. And anyway, it's a very raw interview. I, I highly recommend checking out. The next best one is the Playboy interview from 1980, 10 years later. It was his last major interview before he was murdered. And it's a much softer thing. A lot really transpired in those 10 years. And they, they David Sheff, who did the conducted the interview, did a really great thing where he just went song by song and just got John's like for immediate reactions to all the Beatles songs. And he, when it came to It's Only Love, he said he hated it. It's one of his worst lyrics. But what I like about this is when you really start to hear Dylan's influence on the Beatles, which We'll get to that a little bit later, but let's listen to the song now. It's from the soundtrack to Help. Wonderful love song from one John Lennon. Let's check out It's Only Love. I get high when I see you go by My oh my When you sigh my mind Side just flies Butterflies Why am I so shy When I'm beside you It's only love And that is all Why should I feel The way I do It's only love And that is all But it's so hard Loving you Every night Just the sight of you Makes nighttime bright Very bright Haven't I the right To make it up, girl It's only love And that is all Why should I feel The way I do It's only love and that is all But it's so hard loving you Yes, it's so hard loving you, loving you
It's only love. Very simple. A lot of the Beatles songs are deceptively simple. There's something kind of, especially in the early half of, of their career, 63 to 65, there's something really kind of sweet, innocent about it. In 1964, the Beatles met Dylan for the first time. They were aware of him. The whole world was aware of him. Obviously, the world was aware of the Beatles. Beatlemania by 64 was very much a thing. And believe it or not, Bob Dylan is the guy who first gave the Beatles marijuana. Before that, they were kind of pillheads playing seven nights, seven hours a night in Hamburg. You know, they were leather wearing kind of kind of like a gang almost. Beatles were some hardcore Liverpudlian little misfits. People, A lot of people don't know that. Once they got the band together, their manager, Brian Epstein, cleaned them up. The mop tops uh, made them respectable little boys that, uh, you know, you want to bring home to mom. Dylan's really the one who gave him marijuana. And that's, you know, there's like a big, uh, much has been written about the drug influence in the 60s over people like the Beatles, over the counterculture movement, the summer of love. I'm not necessarily a pro or anti-drug guy. I'm kind of neutral on it. I don't really do any drugs. They're not really for me. But hard to argue with the output of the 60s, which is probably the greatest decade of Western music that there's ever been. Hard to argue with that. You know, in this slot I had for It's Only Love, I'd mentioned in a previous episode, uh, the great Hard Day's Night song, If I Fell. But there's an album called Beatles for Sale, which was their album from 1964, where it's really more John as well. You really hear more introspection in the lyrics. Uh, I'm thinking about songs like I'm a Loser. I'm a Loser. I'm a Loser. And I'm not what I appear to be Of all the love I have won or have lost There is one love I should never have crossed I'm thinking about songs like No Reply This happened once before When I came to your door No reply They said it wasn't you But I saw you peep through your window I saw the light I saw the light I know that you saw me as I looked up to see your face and I think it really culminates the Dylan thing in uh, you gotta hide your love away and really Norwegian wood Now, this song Dylan thought sounded so much like him <laughs> that when he reportedly, when he heard it, he said, that's me. That's John doing me. And he wrote kind of a parody song on his masterpiece, Blonde on Blonde album called Fourth Time Around. That's kind of poking fun at the idea that by the time he wrote this song, it was the fourth time around of ripping him off. When she said, don't waste your words that just lies, I cried she was dead. Yeah, 
And there's the line right there that explains the whole thing. Everybody must give something back for something they get. The dance between Dylan and the Beatles is just one of the most interesting and exciting collisions, I believe, in music history. A very, very rich, fertile area of investigation if this is cracking the door open in anyone's mind about this era, this early 60s, early to mid-60s Dylan Beatles thing. All right, I've got some emails that I want to get through. Joseph Parker wrote and said, what's up? Here are a couple of questions in relation to all the Beatles talk lately. If Metallica was to cover a Beatles song, which would you choose? On the flip side, ignoring the laws of space-time and reality, introduce the Beatles pre-breakup to Metallica and have them cover a song. Which do you choose? Have fun always, Joseph. Okay. Well, James Hetfield famously covered In My Life. I like that. I think it would be cool to hear Metallica do like a rocker. The Beatles obviously had several rockers, but I'm thinking like... It'd be pretty cool to hear them do actually the song Sgt. Pepper was only Hearts Club band. I just think that song's a lot heavier than it than it than it seems like. It'd be fun to hear that. Now, what song would I like to hear? The Beatles cover of Metallica. Ooh, man. Um, how about Ain't My Bitch? <laughs> I'd love to hear Ringo sing Ain't My Bitch. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for the question. Moving right along here. My number eight of my top ten honorable mentions. We're gonna kick it back to Paul McCartney. Late era Abbey Road Beatles. Uh, this is a song called You Never Give Me Your Money. You never Give you my number I only 
There you have it. Beautiful work by Mr. Paul McCartney. I love it. Let's dip back into the emails. We got an email from Jamila. I like quite a bit of the Beatles music, but can't say I'm a fan. My favorite band of all time, Earth, Wind & Fire, did an amazing cover of Gotta Get You Into My Life, though. What I am a major fan of is documentary, so of course I'm interested in seeing the one about the Beatles. She's talking about the wonderful Peter Jackson documentary on Disney Plus called Get Back. She says, if it's on Netflix or Amazon... I'll ask a roommate if we could watch it. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. So I know that you can get like, you know, you can sign up for the free trial and get it for like 15 days for free. Maybe cram those eight to 10 hours of Beatles into your life and then you can cancel the description. She says, don't look back. The documentary about Bob Dylan was the major inspiration for me going forward and making films. The cinematography was amazing and I love how it didn't romanticize Dylan. In fact, I found him to be highly unlikable. She's talking about the DA Pinna, Pinna Baker documentary called Don't Look Back. Uh, it's kind of about his acoustic tour in the UK. And yeah, it doesn't make him, uh, it doesn't paint him very likable at all. But you know, that's the intangibles, the killers. Most killers are not very likable. I don't think that the last dance with Michael Jordan made him seem very likable. Maybe he's not very likable. I don't know how likable John Lennon was. I don't know how likable Bob Dylan was in certain moments. And that's because they are stone cold killers. And the thing about being around a stone cold killer is if you get in those crosshairs, it's that's a hard thing to shake. Um, she goes on to say, I had and have an OG vinyl of Meet the Beatles on VJ before they got signed by Capitol. I still have a pile of records on the West Coast and it may be in that pile. 
not in the greatest condition, but if I end up getting the rest of my collection and it, it's in there, it's yours. No questions asked. Y'all deserve it. Well, that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, she says, I hope your shows go well. Again, I'm glad you'll at least get to see MTF. Stay humble and true and be well. Jamila. I know Jamila was able to go to the 40th anniversary gigs. We've had a blast watching those this weekend. And uh, excited to hear everyone's stories about that. Of course, we have two episodes that have dropped already covering our commentary on those episodes. Super fun. Glad it worked out for everybody. Moving right along, we've got the White Album with John. A wonderful song called Glass Onion. I love the song. It's it's kind of a deep cut on the White Album. And uh, it's a very fun song in that it references a lot of the sort of chaos surrounding the Beatles. It references the Paul is Dead hysteria, the hoax that Paul McCartney died and was replaced with a lookalike or whatever. He says the walrus was Paul. He mentions the fool on the hill. There are references to Lady Madonna. Uh, it's just a really kind of fun meta self-referential song with a lot of winks and nods to Paul, which I thought was nice. This is one of George Harrison's favorites on the White Album. Here I bring you Glass Onion by the Beatles. <laughs> Now, in this slot, I had to bump, which was painful for me to do, but I did have to bump one of my favorites, which is actually, Paul says was his favorite song on the White Album, which is the wonderful Happiness is a Warm Gun. She's not a girl who misses much. Oh, yeah. Acquainted with the touch of the velvet hand Like a lizard on a windowpane The man in the crowd with the multicolored mirrors On his hobnail boots Lying 
with his eyes while his hands are busy working overtime. A soap impression of his wife, which he ate and donated to the National Trust. great example of just john's kind of psychedelic imagery i love the doo-wop type 50s stuff there at the end bang bang shoot shoot um moving right along number six on my honorable mentions top 10 Beatles songs that i left off of my initial lists is a wonderful inoffensive lovely little ditty by paul mccartney called what you're doing check it out What you're doing I'm feeling blue and lonely Would it be too much to ask of you What you're doing to me You got me running And there's no fun in it Why should it be so much to ask of you What you're doing to me been waiting here for you, wondering what you're gonna do, should you need a love that's true, it's me, please stop your lying, you got me crying, girl, why should it be so much to ask of you what you're doing? Here for you, wondering 
should you need a love that's true? It's me. Please stop your lying. You got me crying, girl. Why should it be so much to ask of you? What you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? I love the 64 and 65 Paul songs because they're all kind of of a similar caliber. They have that great classic Beatles jangle that classic Beatles sound. They're generally optimistic. They're generally about falling in love or navigating the circuitous pathways of love. And there are several that I could have sort of put in the slot. The one that came to mind that almost made it out was this great song, uh, also from Rubber Soul. Well, this kind of confusing. So there's different versions of these albums put out. What you're doing was sometimes on Beatles for sale. Sometimes it was on the standalone thing. And sometimes you could even get it on Rubber Soul. Um, but there's another one that came to mind that almost made my top 10 honorable mentions called You Won't See Me. When I call you up, your line's engaged. I have had enough, so And there we go. Just a little, just a little nice sauce from Paul. Love those Paul songs. All right, let's go back to the emails here. Thanks to everyone for writing in. You can write in metal at your podcast show at gmail.com if you would like to uh, talk Beatles or talk about whatever you want. Aiden says, as I write this letter, send my love to you. Remember that I'll always be in love with Paul. He says, Cleethan, the Tangent City episodes are the best. I could lament that they only happen every six months-ish. But I suppose that's what makes them so great. Good things come to those who wait, honey, please. He says, The last Tangent City is probably my favorite because Metal Up Your Podcast basically became a Beatles podcast for an episode, which begs the question, if you had a Beatles podcast, what would it be called? Personally, I'm thinking it's all too much or your mother should know. Ooh, I mean, calling it two of us comes to mind. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I, I like a good pun brainstorm sesh. But alas, I have a I have a job to do here, and I want to get us all through it and uh, talk some Beatles. So, you know, there are so many Beatles podcasts. I've never listened to any of them. It just feels like too much to bite off. It feels overwhelming, and I, of course, have been you know mired in Beatles information for since I was like in my early twenties. So I don't really feel the need. Like when Eddie Van Halen died, I've always been a Van Halen fan. But when he died, it dislodged something spiritual in me where I was like, I need to know everything I can about Van Halen. So I found a podcast called Dave and Dave Unchained that my friend Tom Quee recommended to me. And um, I just couldn't get enough of it because I just felt like I didn't know anything. And I wanted to know everything there was to know about that band. That's kind of how I roll. When I got into Dylan, I wanted to know everything about it. So I watched all the documentaries. I read every book I could get my hands on. And I listened to about three or four different Dylan podcasts. Uh, 
And uh, I just don't really necessarily feel that way about the Beatles. What was so amazing for so many of us about the Get Back documentary was that for the first time ever, it seemed like there was something new to chew on. And that was the the power of it. All right, my number five. We're getting here to the bottom five. Top 10 honorable mentions that didn't make my top 20. I got to go with John Lennon's I Feel Fine. It wasn't on an album. This was just a single. It was number one. First recorded feedback. You'll hear that right at the top here, which is actually pretty cool to think about. I think this is a ripper. It's got a great riff. For those of you who play guitar out there, you should learn this riff. It's really cool there at the top. Really well put together. Love the harmonies. We'll do a little talking afterwards. But for now, here's John Lennon's I Feel Fine. This slot was hard because uh, so many of John's singles that he wrote were so good. I mean, Paul as well. I'm not trying to take anything away from Paul, but I'm thinking about songs like Ticket to Ride. I'm thinking about songs like Day Tripper. Ooh, 
I just love those great John songs. It makes me think of Rain, too. Really psychedelic kind of single that John wrote. Kind of that classic 60s jangle, Paul's great bass playing. All right, moving right along here. Let's give Paul a little more love. Again, I don't really mean it to toggle this way, but it's definitely toggling. And much like the entire Beatles discography, it's John and Paul heavy, you know? We're going to get to George here in a minute, but if you did watch the, um, the documentary, there's a lot of really great footage of them working out this song of Paul's called Two of Us. And I always imagined it was about John and Paul, but it's it's Paul wrote it about his wife, Linda, and it's about them just hanging out together and building memories as a family. And But the image that you see in this documentary is John and Paul sitting right across from each other, singing this really tight harmony, almost as one. It's really sweet. They had a lot of fun with it. It's like just honestly jaw-dropping to see it take on its many different iterations and you know, getting to the final product of what we love and know. The thing that sounds like a bass in it, there's no bass in the song. So the thing that sounds like a bass in it, it's actually George Harrison playing kind of lower notes, uh, playing, a, playing a bass line that normally would have been bass. I think it's so cool that they didn't even overdub a bass on it. They just let it be what it was. I love the little guitar hook at the top by Paul. And uh, here we go. Here's two of us from 1970s Let It Be.
Now, when it comes to Paul with acoustic in this slot, it was very, very hard for me uh, to not put his masterpiece, Blackbird. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You are only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Black night. I love Blackbird so much because it's just such a simple thing. It's really fun to play on guitar. It's kind of an amazing chord progression, just the way he puts it all together, the way he composed it. When they recorded it live, what you're hearing that's like the tapping, it's not a metronome. It sounds like a click almost. You know, we record to clicks a lot these days. You'll have a a metronome sounding snapping, clicking happening that you'll play in time to. What that is on the White Album is they put a mic on his vocal. They put a mic on his, I think I believe it was a D28 Martin acoustic guitar. And then they put a mic on his boots by his feet. And what you hear is just him tapping his feet. Doing it all live, doing it all perfectly, beautifully live, in tune, in time. Wonderful song, a great lyric about race relations, kind of a great late 60s counterculture type song. And just a beautiful melody that he claims came to him in his goddamn sleep. If you're a guy who dreams songs like Blackbird, there's no hope for the rest of us as songwriters, period. All right. Last email here before we hear my top two honorable mention Beatles songs. This is from Andrew Butselis, and it's it's a little long, but it's really cool. And so I wanted to read this. He says, good evening, Clint. I just finished your excellent Metal Up Your Podcast Beatles radio episode, and it has me musing about my own Beatles journey. Like yourself, I never was able to connect with the Beatles. In fact, I actively and openly shared my fervent belief that the Beatles were overrated to any person unfortunate enough to hear that audacious sentiment. With what I perceived to be essentially, quote-unquote, some really good pop music at the time, when I was getting into the likes of the mighty Metallica, Zeppelin, and Sabbath, it just wasn't my bag. And I get it, Andrew. I've met, I've met that version of you. He goes on to say, That being said, my mother had always been a massive Lennon fan. She has We All Shine On tattooed on her forearm. Nice little instant karma tattoo. He says, so I knew that there must be something I was missing out on besides the obvious hits. I never bothered to dig deeper. Fast forward to last September 2020, when I began working in television production in New York City for the first time, having spent the previous six months out of work at my restaurant due to COVID, I had an opportunity to break into the field I had always wanted to work in, starting all over fresh in a brand new industry at the bottom of the totem pole, the transition was rough to say the least. Above all, the hours were grueling. As an entry-level assistant, I was working 12 to 16 hours, 12 to 16 hour days regularly, 70 plus hours a week, typically with sometimes less than eight-hour turnarounds, barely seeing my girlfriend, driving all around the five boroughs in an equipment van, and never sleeping. Two things kept me sane: Metal Up Your Podcast and the Beatles. It's a little two worlds colliding moment. Spending hours on end in gridlock Manhattan traffic, delivering COVID supplies to film sets. He says, pandemics create jobs. He says, I explored multitudes of new artists, 
I decided to give the Beatles another chance. I had heard you mention I'm only sleeping on Metal Up Your Podcast randomly and started there. And he says, well, something clicked. Being massively sleep deprived and wanting nothing more than to lay in bed, that song just fucking connected with me on a primal level. The vulnerability in John's lyric with those far out achy guitars and Paul's tasty bass line resonated with me. And how goddamn catchy is keeping an eye on the world going by my window, taking my time. I agree. Love, it's, love, I'm only sleeping. It was in my top, uh, it was in my top 20. He says, the song made me cry. It felt like he was articulating the simplest point a person could make so plainly, so effectively that it gave me empathy for all the people everywhere. We all need sleep. There was such raw humanity to the song, which I realized was the hallmark of my love for John. Watching a deeply gifted but troubled kid fuck up, learn from mistakes and grow up, all the while expressing those experiences artistically on the highest musical level along the way. I downloaded Revolver, which he says is his favorite Beatles record, and listened to it on loop daily. You could almost say it revolved. I also discovered my love for Paul on this record as well, with Here, There, and Everywhere, and For No One standing out, the latter being one of the most wrenching lyrics from Sir McCartney. Always having perceived Paul as just a hokey pop artist, I realized how complex and multi-talented this man was. You're right, he's like an athlete who can perform in any game. Yep. He says, like a Metallica fan who just received the Black Album, I immediately went backwards, then forwards, and devoured every other bit I could find. The Beatles became my joy at the time. When I'd be up at 4 a.m. to drive into the city, the only comfort I had getting into that cold van was drive my car, would come through the stereo as my wheels crunched over the snow and out into the dark New York morning. Hour drive to a set in, that's okay, more time to discover new Beatles songs. What I'm getting at is this, sometimes the right music just hits you at exactly the right time and you didn't realize how badly you needed it until you have it. A bit of a brooding fellow, I've always connected to some darker music but my days were a little brighter because of this music. I never anticipated discovering the Beatles at 27, but thank God I did. Anyways, apologies for the lengthy email. I've had some wine and I've been feeling a bit sentimental about the band. I'm always meaning to write in about my favorite band Metallica, but it took a Beatles episode to do it. Those fucking Beatles. Here's my top 10 that will change tomorrow. And your bird can sing. Tomorrow never knows. Two of us here, there, and everywhere. Baby, you're a rich man. Great choice. No reply, Strawberry Fields, in my life, you've got to hide your love away, and number one, I'm only sleeping. He ends by saying, thanks for the podcast. It goes a long way for a lot of us out there. Well, dude, what a nice email. Thank you so much. On social media and in some various other emails, uh, very similar sentiments being expressed, that people are saying that this music's really finding them at a, at a place in their life where they really needed to hear it. It's kind of the door's been cracked open. And uh, I couldn't be happier, could not be happier to hear that this music's resonating with people because now I just have more friends to talk to about it. And um, thank you for sending your list. And I'm really glad that, uh, well, first of all, congrats on getting your dream job and congrats on having the work ethic and the gumption and the drive to start at the bottom, work your way up. I know there's a lot of reform being talked about in the film and TV industry about people like you who honestly deserve to get more rest than they're giving you. And uh, I hope that they figure that out soon, but, but honored that in that journey that metal up your podcast could be part of what helped get you through it alongside the Beatles. So I think that's very cool. And I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. All right. My number three honorable mentions is I undeniable had to go with help by John. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know, I need someone. So much younger than today I never, I never 
This is a song that I sing a lot with my daughter and there's videos of it in my Instagram if anyone's interested or maybe you've seen it. And I love this song because John's described it as one of his more honest songs. It wasn't just written to put out a single or to fill up an album or for a film. You know, he actually says that he was actually calling out for help. Um, I've always found that really charming about him and it makes me sad for him being a Beatle, being in the most successful, recognizable, famous bands in the world. And you're writing, it's like almost like they hit this streak where they couldn't write shitty songs. So he's trying to write a song where he's actually literally asking for help. And everyone's just like patting him on the back, like, you did it again, John. Another great little song. We don't know what it's about, but it sure is cute and charming. And he's like saying, like, I actually really need help. I need somebody, not just anybody. I need someone. It makes me sad for him. The song that was in this slot that's really close that no one really talks about very much, which was written, I believe, during the Help Sessions, the, the soundtrack for the film, but it was put on Rubber Soul, and it's a song called Wait. It's been a long time, now I'm coming back home. I've been away now, oh how I've been alone. This when I think of like 60s tight harmony little two-minute pop songs, Lennon McCartney or the Chef's Kiss or the creme de la creme of that stuff. So I had to give a little shout out to Wade. All right, moving down to the top two honorable mentions. Gonna give some love to John again with Don't Let Me Down, which for those of you who don't know, was not on Let It Be. Now it was written and performed in the Let It Be sessions. You can see it, but it was just a B-side. Uh, it was a B-side to the song Get Back. 
And it's one of John's best songs. I can't believe it didn't even make my top 20. Here we are with John Lennon's Don't Let Me Down. Dedicated to one Miss Yoko Ono, who was probably scapegoated more than almost anyone I can think of in pop culture, because for however many years, she's been blamed for breaking up the Beatles. Now, I don't have the time to break all of that shit down for you here, but let me tell you that the evidence is out there, and don't be one of these people out there that just parrots shit you don't know about, all right? She didn't break up the Beatles. 
why does no one giving putting any of the onus on that onto the guy who actually quit the Beatles, John Lennon? It just seems so fucking lame to me that she broke up the Beatles. So no one's going to give any responsibility that to John. No, it's everyone's got to blame the woman. The obviously the woman came in and broke up the greatest band ever. It's bullshit. And I like the songs that he dedicates to her. There's some really sweet love songs on his second solo album called Imagine. We're going to get to that next week when I break down my top 10 Beatles solo songs. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's time for my number one honorable mention. And it really it goes to the great George Harrison with the undeniable While My Guitar Gently Weeps from the White Album, 1968. He brought Eric Clapton in to play guitar. And the story goes that when he was showing the song to John and Paul, they didn't really think too much of it. And it was kind of bumming George out. And he was like, well, I know this song is good, even if those knuckleheads aren't going to give me any good sauce about it. So the next day, he brings his buddy Eric Clapton into the studio. And Eric Clapton's going, I don't know, dude. People don't guest on the Beatles. This is before Billy Preston. You guys got to understand. And the Beatles never had guests, except for like, you know, George Martin would play a harpsichord on In My Life or a French horn player on For No One, a quartet on the song Yesterday. They would have like orchestral musicians, but no one had ever guessed it on a Beatles album. So Rick Clapton's like, I don't know, dude. And George Harrison's going, well, it's my goddamn song and I am a Beatle. So you're coming in. Eric plays a solo. He says when Eric Clapton was there, John and Paul were on their best behavior. And that happens in bands. You have your own little... It's like when you fight with your spouse before you get to the cocktail party. Yeah, you kind of turn on a bit of a different thing because why are you going to punish everyone at the party for whatever it is you're going through? Some people call that being fake. I think that's just called being in society. No one wants to see people fighting. It sucks. <laughs> if you either don't come to the party or be on a little bit better behavior when you got a guess. I, I'm a-okay with that. But anyway, this is an undeniable song. Great performance by Eric Clapton. And this is why my guitar gently weeps.
Now, these White Album songs, I'm going to leave you guys with this because some of you are getting into the Beatles and I want to help you with this, okay? There's a lot has been said about which versions of stuff to get. And I've been having a really fun couple of weeks getting all my shit tight and right when it comes to that. Now, the mono versus stereo thing, let's put that aside for one second. There are some newer mixes that have been coming out that are really great. Famously, they were first put on CD in like 87, digitally transferred, and then whatever represses were from that digital transfer. They did a big remix remix push in 2009, a big remix push in 2014. These are all stereo remixes. They also did a mono thing. So, But here's what's been happening since 2017, the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper, is George Martin's son, Giles Martin, has been remixing the albums. And they are stereo but they are amazing versions. So I really highly recommend, these are on streaming um, and you can purchase these on vinyl and CD. So the Sgt. Pepper you need to check out is the, it's called the 50th anniversary and you want to look for, his name is Giles, G-I-L-E-S, Giles Martin Remix, okay? The White Album, same deal. There's like a deluxe version with like demos and stuff, but really what you want are the Giles Martin Remixes Abbey Road also has the 50th anniversary remix. And then Let It Be, these new mixes are the Giles Martin mixes. So you need to check those out. Mono versus stereo, if that's something that interests you, then there's a lot of YouTube videos that break all this down, put some headphones on, and you can make up your own mind because it's a little subjective. But I do think that up until Revolver, mono sounds the best to me. And from then on, so after that, you've got, you know, Magical Mystery Tour, Sgt. Pepper, White Album, and maybe even Rubber Soul and Revolver. Stereo's interesting for those because they were just making more textured recordings. But here's the problem. Mono is how they were intended to be heard. That's how they were recorded. And they would spend weeks and weeks mixing their songs for mono because it was the industry standard. That's what they mixed it for. That's what the sound of music was. Once stereo technology started to get popular they would make stereo mixes almost as throwaways because they thought it was maybe a fad. They didn't take it seriously. So they, would, they wouldn't even show up sometimes for the stereo mixes and they would do those in half a day. So, so that starts to put into perspective what the deal is with the mono versus stereo. So when you listen to like some, when you listen to Beatles for Sale, 1964 or Help or Rubber Soul, some of the panning is just insane. All the drums are on the left. Two of the vocals are on the right with the bass. And they make for an interesting listening experience, but it's weird. And it's not really what they intended for it to be heard that way. So I would encourage you to do your own investigating and A-B it with your own ears, see what you like. But that's kind of where I've landed. I, I've been going through all of my like, because I've been buying Beatles records like on the road. And then I bought all the stereo reissues as they started to come out. But now I'm on the hunt for the mono. Because they made a box set in 2014 with all the mono. Now it's out of goddamn print and I can't find it. It's like $2,000 online. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with my journey. I'm going to leave you now with another Beatles song. And I will be back maybe next week to burn down my top 10 solo Beatles songs. And I really do hope you're all having a lovely holiday season, that you're surrounded by people that you love and who love you, who get you, who make room for you to be who you are. I certainly accept you for who you are. And I appreciate that this is a space where people can accept me for who I am as well, which is a just a dude out in the world trying to figure it out, trying to be a good husband, be a good father, be a good friend. And uh, thank God we have this music that glues it all together for us. So take care of yourselves. I'll see you on the next time. Peace.
It's real.